Hey, and welcome to Matama, where we explore with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries and celebration of the human experience. So this is our first episode, and I wanted to take a quick minute to introduce ourselves. I'm Bob Spurl. I'm here in Chicago, and I'm with Greg Traverso. He's the co-founder and CEO of Matamo. And Greg and I are going to be kind of taking a journey with you, if you will, right? Right, Greg? A, a transformational trip for, for these episodes to kind of go through what, what Matamo is, what, you know, and, and what it means. And so, Greg, uh, you know, what is Matamo? Really quick, before we kind of dive into your story. Well, hey, Bob. Hey, you know, that's a fun question for me to answer, you know, because it provides modern explorers with a more fulfilling way to travel. It provides a more fulfilling way to travel with experiences that are stress-free, profoundly transformative, and rooted in an appreciation of our planet and the people that inhabit it. Yeah, so matamo.travel, that's Greg's URL. He just launched this thing uh, a handful of weeks ago. You've been taking people on trips for years, but Matamo is a sort of relaunch, uh, rebranding uh, effort. And uh, people can even email you at hello at matamo.travel or just go to the site and have a nice chat with with uh, one of the representatives there. But, you know, this this show, again, we, we want it to really be about sort of tra- travel at large and, and kind of you know, experience the world with, with us and our guests. And I'm really excited to kind of dive right in with, with Greg being, being uh, the founder of Matamo, I figured we'd, we'd kind of start uh, the conversation hearing your story and, um, and hearing how you became the traveler you are and, and how really your life has been impacted in so many ways by, by the trips you've taken. So let's start from that first trip uh, near your hometown, right? You were talking to me about you're in your, you're in your teen years and, and, and up in the Sierras. Tell, tell us about that, that first trip away from home. Yeah, well, you know, uh, when you think about Africa, you would think that the stories would be about the continent or, you know, uh, but really it's in, in my backyard and, and here in the Central Valley, it's only about two hour drive to the high Sierra, uh, the Sierra Nevada mountains. And uh, it was, it was there that I really uh, would say was my favorite journey of all time. It, it, it uh, it takes precedence in my mind because it was a, a transformational experience. Not that I ever thought about those words or anything else, but uh, together with three friends, the four of us, uh, we actually saved our money uh, for, for a time to buy our food for three weeks. And my mother uh, dropped us off at Meeks Bay in Lake Tahoe. And uh, 21 and a half days later, we got picked up at Tuolumne Meadows, Yosemite. It was a 210-mile journey across the washboard of the High Sierra. Uh, three friends, four friends, four of us together, no parents, carrying our own food. I did lose 30 pounds on the trip. We uh, did a lot of fishing and uh, caught some amazing trout back in the high country. Slept outside most all nights, uh, every night, um, mostly without a tent. We didn't even bring pads to sleep on. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, four teenagers uh, alone for three weeks in the Sierras. And uh, I would, it's an experience I would encourage anybody to do, even this day and age. Wow, that's incredible. I'm imagining, you know, teenagers taking a three-week uh, trek across 200 miles. That's that's impressive. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that it kind of reminds me of some of those, like, you know, those books, like Jack London books you've read <laughs> growing up, right? It's just yeah. like unique, Greg. Um, that's, that's awesome. And so you did that, you know, fast forward a bit, you, you're, you're upfront about this. You spent kind of a decade traveling, but kind of searching, right? I mean, it, between that and, and your first trip to, to your first major trip to Africa, but kind of, 
my favorite story that you've shared with me before is kind of saving up for your first trip to Africa. So, so tell me, tell me about that. How did that, how did that happen? Yeah, well, my first trip to Africa would be, you know, actually it was to Europe on a 10 month journey. Uh, I was in a parking lot, actually picking up trash in the morning of my family's kind of a, it's called the yellow submarine sandwich shop, but it was really more of an Italian (laughs) deli and the local neighborhood would come and my grandma worked there. She, she sliced the meat and, and my, my dad and, you know, my brother eventually worked there too. And, it was very much a, a family run. I was out in the morning picking up a trash and my dad walked up. Uh, I mean, uh, pulled up in his ranchero and he got out of the car and uh, it wasn't typical for my dad to say things like this, but he turned to me and he said, Hey, you need to expand your horizons. And he basically hmm. that changed my direction without realizing it. And I started thinking about that a lot. What came out of it to fast forward was a, a 10 month journey across Europe. And in that journey, I ended up in Africa for the first time, in North Africa, in Morocco. Mm-hmm. When I first set foot on the continent, which I'll never forget that moment of my foot actually landing on the continent, um, coming from Spain across um, Gibraltar uh, down to, over to uh, Africa, to Morocco. So, you know, to save for the trip, I just, it took me still a couple of years. I started saving my coins and I had a big jug of a glass jug, with a one gallon container from the subject formerly had barbecue sauce in it. And I started putting my quarters in there and I, you know, did that for two years. And I told myself when the last quarter won't fit in there and falls out, it's time to travel. And that's what I did. And I dumped that thing out. I took it to the bank. I rolled them up. I think my grandmother helped me roll them up. And uh, I had a thousand dollars, almost exactly a thousand. So I bought a ticket, one way ticket to Europe. And uh, essentially then uh, spent the next 10 months uh, and ended up there in, in, in Africa. And I was in Marrakesh, known as the pink city, these kind of orangish pink walls of Marrakesh with a friend of mine that I had met uh, in Rome. This is 1982 uh, in a pizzeria. And we ended up traveling together for several months. And we went uh, to Morocco together and on this same trip. And we were in Marrakesh and we went to the market and uh, there were the Africans from West Africa coming to sell their wares. And I think it was that moment that really sub-Saharan Africa below the Sahara started to intrigue me. It was to be another decade yeah. before I really made it down to sub-Saharan Africa. And by the way, a monkey uh, jumped on my buddy Don's back at that time and peed on him. I remember that moment. <laughs> um, and so does Don. We, we laugh at that, but there was a monkey in there that jumped on him at that point. But Anyway, so that was my first trip to to you know to Africa. So you took the uh, the Marrakesh. The, the, I keep thinking of that Graham Nash song, Marrakesh Express. Yeah, that that, that was. But you you did it a little after oh, yeah. the <laughs> the raging sixties. But so that's cool. So you, you did that. Yeah, ten months, long time. You you literally expanded your horizons. You, you traveled the world, and and you kind of caught this this you know positive travel bug. So you you mentioned you had this first inkling to sort of go to sub-Saharan Africa and, and really explore that continent. So, so tell me about that first trip that kind of planted the seeds for what would become a lifelong of, of guiding, uh, guiding people to Africa. But let's talk about that, that really that, that transformative trip. Yes, it certainly was. It was a, um, a trip that, you know, like I had mentioned, it took me 10 more years. Actually, I was in Egypt on a separate trip. Uh, and that was another time period, and I had met uh, some travelers that had come up from South Africa across the entire continent through the Sudan, 
up through Egypt, and that really intrigued me. So I had that on my mind since 84, uh, but I had not gone to school, hadn't even been to university at that point. I didn't really didn't like school, but through the travel experience, I did get inspired and really from the sub shop, you know, and, and having clients turn to me every once in a while, customers and say, hey, you should be a teacher. That kind of, you know, kind of woke me up to something. Mm-hmm. People can be a mirror back to yourself, as you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I just, after a while, I started thinking about, you know, teaching and the idea of that. So. Um, I did end up going back to school, and um, I had Africa on my mind. Um, it'd be dormant for a while, but I did take some African music classes, and I just uh, did a lot of reading and about it and uh, imagined. And so um, I ended up working, actually, uh, in a yogurt shop in Baltimore for 16 months. I ended up being the manager of this uh, yogurt shop. Uh, in Baltimore and saved enough money uh, to travel to Africa and around the world. I drove back across the States and left my car here in Stockton and and flew on and uh, ended up in Harare, Zimbabwe. I traveled uh, overland all the way up to Kenya. uh, And at that point, um, I knew I would be in Nairobi at a certain time because a friend was coming to meet me for three weeks. And I had another friend coming. Uh, that before the trip I had met with uh, in a pub on Geary Street in San Francisco with some other friends, I laid out the map to Africa, and uh, I was just uh, telling these friends of mine where I was going. And back in those days, you know, communication wasn't—you couldn't send a text or you wouldn't even, you know, think about that. You'd write letters and make a call on a landline, and if you said you're going to be there in a week, you're going to be there in a week, and mm-hmm. maybe in a month. So, in that conversation, one of my friends, her name is Susan. She turned to me and said, well, I'm coming to France that, during that time period. Maybe I can fly down to meet you. And I said, great, let's do it. So we arranged for that. And um, through letters and correspondence, um, sure enough, she ended up in Nairobi. And just like I said I would be, and she knew I would be, there at 5.30 in the morning in Nairobi at the airport, at Jomo Kenyatta Airport. And uh, she walked out. And uh, the next day, we got our visa for Zaire, which is formerly the Belgian Congo. If you think about Africa, you think about Central Africa, and now it's the Democratic Republic of Congo. And in a couple of days' time, we were hitchhiking, training, matatus, uh, all the way across hundreds of miles to get to uh, the Congo to see the gorillas, which really was uh, quite the experience. Greg, so you know this is when <laughs> when you say getting your visa, this is like this is what amazed me about your story is this is like pre internet era, so I can't just simply Google like how to get a get a visa for you know Zimbabwe or, or Kenya. Um, so so you know the this is pre text messages and everything. My travel experience started when I had cell phones and I had the internet, and and so you know, not to veer off topic, but I'm just curious, like how, how did, how did you do that? It's just, it's incredible to me kind of setting all this, coordinating all this, this, this meeting with people. And yeah, interesting because it was before the internet, right. And not only text messages, but like you would never have the chance to look on a laptop or even to go to a internet cafe. None of that existed. So it was yeah. all the human uh, part of it. And uh, so, you know, you have a guidebook and you, you look up the embassy and you say, Oh, it's on, you know, Jomo Kenyatta Boulevard or whatever, and you'd say, okay, well, I need to find that. So you, you'd walk out and maybe you have a map or, or if not, you ask somebody on the street and you had to use your body language because the language barrier. 
and then they point you maybe in the wrong direction and you know three or four of those and pretty much you, you could direct it to the embassy so you know it, even communicating back home i'd have like three minutes to call because it was 10 bucks a minute to call on a landline that would take you an hour to get a, a service um and with friends and family with letter writing and planning and uh, all through that kind of correspondence but it didn't seem terribly difficult. It, you just, if you got lost, you just ask somebody point you in the right direction. Only one time did that uh, not go so well for me. I was in Spain and I, I actually got on the wrong train and I was uh, heading for Portugal. I actually went the, the wrong direction, but certainly lots of times in, in Africa, uh, you just relied on your instincts and human communication. And it was, it was very nice. Kind of miss what it. I wonder, I was going to say, maybe it made it more enjoyable, more, a little more carefree, a little more, like you said, in the moment, right? Versus everything being so perfectly planned. Yeah, I think our, our experiences now, the way we've designed them, you know, you, you do have internet uh, connections, but it's just a little more difficult. And I found that my clients over these years, they, one of the things they always tell me afterwards, I really love that I didn't, you know, if I needed to get work done, I can do that. But generally, it's like, I wasn't on my phone the whole time. And, you know, they bring their kids and their kids aren't on the phone because you're looking at wildlife. You're looking at life and culture and, and everything's so vibrant and alive that, um, you know, it, it, it's it's part of that experience that I, I value a lot. I know our clients really value it and want. Yeah. I'm really excited. So in future episodes and next week, I think we're going to dive more into this too, is is the idea of this, this transformational travel and what it means. And so maybe just in closing, Greg, we can talk about, you, you, you had this kind of peak moment and you alluded to it a little earlier, but um, you know, really curious about how traveling and being outside of where you are, how that can bring some sort of clarity and, and a change, how it, how it happened in your life. Maybe kind of close with that kind of that peak you mentioned earlier to me. Sure. You know, the transformational experience is, um, is what we're all searching in life is, is personal uh, growth and opening new doors and uh, to, to new experiences and so forth. But you never know where that's going to happen. It, it quite literally, literally could happen right now in your backyard, but there's something about travel. There's something about being outside of the norm, letting the work, the cares of, of the world behind us and just kind of being away from what we're used to every day that maybe opens a window to, uh, opportunities for uh, these kind of experiences, and I think in life you're you're lucky if you have a peak experience. Uh, um, some people are fortunate to have two or three or four in their life. Uh, they're hard to predict, and and so, but for me, you know, the the seminal time for me was uh, deep, actually inside the continent of Africa. I was in a canoe, quite literally. I bought a a canoe and I had a couple local guides that weren't really guides, but they were young uh, people that knew the river of the Congo, right? Smack dab in central Africa. And for many, many days and many, you know, hundreds of miles, I floated down the Congo sleeping in villages and being literally cut off from being cut off. I mean, you can imagine even nowadays, you know, you're cut off from, from, from life back home completely. And so even the psychological part of that being, so remote into the wilderness, if you will, uh, of, of the rain, largest, second largest rainforest in the world and, and, and cut off. And, and then, you know, I wasn't eating much food, but I was healthy, but I, you know, I lost 50 pounds on that, 
that seven month journey. Uh, this section of it was 51 days across the Congo and I was deeper and deeper into it. And something, something changed in me. I had a, I had a shift and uh, it was a time period where my life direction changed. Uh, I was still a very much a free spirit, but a lot of the things I kind of foresaw in that moment of time period of clarity, uh, being out in those open skies and, you know, at night we'd be even on the river and there'd be a billion stars up there, you know, and uh, I'd be traveling along and, and, and thinking about home and thinking about life. And, you know, it just, it, it, it was more than that. It was a peak experience. There was a moment and it, it did change my life. So I, I certainly could go into more depth, uh, you know, and it's the journey leading up to it and what happens afterwards and, uh, you know, getting sick with malaria, you know, after that and, uh, which had something to do with the weight loss that continued um, and also uh, and making it out and, and the ruggedness of it, the sheer ruggedness, you now sleeping on trucks, under trucks, in villages, inside chiefs' homes, on, in people's homes on occasion, uh, cheap hotels, now sometimes no running water. I mean, uh, Batamo is completely different than that from that experience, but people don't have that much time either. So in a two-week time period, of time, I want everything taken care of for them so they can completely decompress, completely have those time with their family, a bond, and uh, just have that that needed time. And so, for me, that several month long journey uh, was a peak experience. And that moment in time, uh, I'll never forget being on the Congo and literally in a bend in a river. Uh, life changed for me. This is what travel is all about, and, and this is why Matamu exists, to help people create an environment where they can find that peak, right? Or that peak is more visible to them, you know, and, and that transformation is, is sort of is ready for, to be unwrapped. Any questions for Greg, you know, matamu.travel, feel free to, to log on, take a look, or, or shoot us an email at hello at matamu.travel. Uh, we're looking forward to talking to you soon, and you guys have a great rest of your week. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Take care.